Welcome to this week's edition of Holy Apostles Weekly Sermons. And he took me not in, 
made him, and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we in hungered, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting takes place. 
And this is for us, I have to point out, a, a, an event of both great rejoicing and great terror. And it has to do with the standards by which we will all be judged. It is a matter of, it is a matter of great rejoicing for us because the standards by which we will be judged are not the standards of this world. All of the iniquity and the perversity and uh, murder and bribery and all of the thoughts and motivations that drive the, the nations of this world, those are not going to be the standards, right? There's no bribing the judge here. There's no getting off easy because you have highly connected friends. None of that. Absolute just judgment. And therefore, we should rejoice because those of us who are perhaps meek or lowly in this world find that we are frequently shuffled aside in favor of those who are more powerful or more influential, and this will not be the case. The Lord will judge with absolute justice. That's a matter of rejoicing. The matter of what makes it a matter of terror is that the standards by which we are judged will also not be our own. All of the justifications, all of the excuses that we make in our own hearts for our own behavior, for why we think it's okay for us to do this particular sin because it's not that big after all and nobody was really hurt, and those kinds of things, none of that will matter either. In fact, on this day, all of it will be stripped away. And whatever excuses we have made for ourselves up until that point will be shown to be weak and feeble and ghostly, and they will be vaporized by the absolute and pure justice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that for us should be a matter of great terror. Because isn't that what we do on a daily basis? When we sin, I will say, we excuse ourselves. Even though someone else did the same thing to us and we were deeply offended by it, when, our, when we do it we can say, well, it was okay for me to do it. Because X, Y, Z. But all of that will be stripped away. The Lord will judge with absolute justice. Moreover, His justice is predicated upon His incarnation. So what do I mean by that? It's because the Lord took on human flesh and lived among us that He judges absolutely. Because there's another excuse that will be taken out of our mouths. We will not be able to say to God, Well, but you were never a man. You don't know what it's like. Because His answer to us is Himself, the Incarnate Lord, who knows exactly what it's like to be on the receiving end of conspiring in injustice and torture and murder and lies and all of it. And therefore His judgment will be just. So in this condition he will judge absolutely all of the nations of the world and he will divide them like the shepherd sh separates the sheep from the goats. And he will say unto those on his right hand who correspond to the sheep a couple of things. <laughs> First of all, come ye blessed of my father, inherit, that is as proper and true children, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In other words, enter into your proper place. This is where you belong. Not that fallen and corrupt, corrupt world that you've had to deal with all this time. Now, enter into the place where you were created to live. Contrast that with what he says to those on his left hand. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared, not for you, prepared for the devil and his angels. You have made yourselves unworthy to live in the place which was made for you. Therefore you must live in the place which was made for the wicked spirits to be punished. Moreover, he describes the standards by which he judges. And it comes down to compassion, initially. Works of mercy, right? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was in prison and you served me. You came and ministered to me. In other words, none of us will be able to say, well, we didn't know what the test was going to be over. Like a, like a middle school student who comes in and had forgotten about the test. Oh, wait, but I didn't know. That excuse is also taken out of our mouths. None of us can say that now. We know. But the righteous respond to him in a particular way. And if you don't pay attention, you might miss it, but their response is one of humility. Lord, when did we do any of those things? Because this is the activity of the righteous. To do good, to show mercy, and to promptly forget that it has been done. Right? The Lord said, when you do your charity, do not let the, right hand know, the left hand know what the right one is doing. Be so discreet with your charities that even you yourself don't remember what it was. And the righteous respond in precisely that way. Lord, when did we ever do any of those things? And he goes on to explain to them that inasmuch as they did it to even the least, he received it as if to himself. And then he goes to the cursed on his left hand and judges them by the same standards. I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was sick and you did not serve me. I was in prison and you didn't come visit me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. So again, the standard is impartial. It's not one standard for the righteous and another standard for the unrighteous. But how do they respond? We did not do those things. Do you see that? The response of the righteous is with humility. But the response of the wicked is with arrogance. What do you mean? You can't accuse us of that. And the Lord, again, judging by the exact same standard, you did it not to the least of my brethren, and therefore you did it not do it to me. The Holy Church puts this memorial of this event before our eyes on this day to provoke us. To provoke us to repentance. To provoke us to self-correction. Because after all, isn't that what Great Lent is all about? We stand here on the, on the brink, on the cusp of entering Great Lent again. 
And we find that uh, we have become, over the past year, since the last Pascha, again, all too comfortable with the world. We have made our peace with the ways of this world. We have made our peace with the excuses and rationalizations that we use for ourselves to make sure that we don't look too bad in our own eyes. We have bought into the lies of ourselves and of this world. And as a result, we have placed ourselves squarely on the left hand of Jesus Christ with the goats. The good news is that since we are here today hearing this gospel and listening to me speak about it, it means that that day has not come yet. That day has not come yet. In other words, there is still time. It is not too late for you and for me, my brothers and sisters, to correct ourselves. And this is precisely what we are called to today. To enter into the season of Great Lent with no patience for the excuses we make for ourselves, but with a willingness, and in fact with a zeal, to convict ourselves of the sins and the lies that we commit and tell ourselves about them so that we will stop, so that we will stir ourselves up and by the grace of God begin again. This is precisely why this lesson is appointed for this day. It's a severe lesson, I think. And in the manner of a truly, a truly loving mother, the church is severe with her children whenever they need severity. And therefore today, as we prepare ourselves to enter the season of the great fast, beginning after today with partial fasting this week, let us keep this lesson always before our eyes so that we will not again make peace with the things of this world. Not to go out from here today and to get to work tomorrow morning and immediately find ourselves back in that former way of thinking, but rather to understand from this day forward to whom we belong and by what standards we ought to conduct our lives. Because again, the Lord has told us beforehand what it is that is expected of us. It remains for you and for me to exert ourselves and to perform it. To God, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, and worship to ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.